Welcome to episode 27 of Communicast, a communication skills podcast. I'm Scott D'Amico, president of Communispond, a global communication skills training organization. In this episode, I'm talking with Ginger Hardage. Ginger retired as senior vice president of culture and communications at Southwest Airlines after an illustrious 25 years where she served as a member of the CEO's executive team. Currently, she leads Unstoppable Cultures, a brand designed to help organizations create and sustain cultures of enduring greatness. Check out the episode to learn how to really understand what your employees and customers want, drive a culture of engagement, and prepare for an opposing viewpoint. I hope you enjoy. Ginger, thank you so much for joining me today. Really looking forward to our conversation. Thank you, Scott. It's great to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. To get things started, maybe tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, background, career journey, and really what it is that you're working on today. Great. Well, um, I was a communications major, so I love the topic. Um, When I was in college, I got to kind of work all in journalism, advertising, and public relations. So um, I, and and I was a broadcast journalism major at one point as well. So um, I'm a big fan of the field. Um, And my, in one of my first jobs, Uh, My boss encouraged me to go to this class on speaking by a company called Communispond. I think I've heard of them before. Wow, fantastic. (laughs) Isn't that great? So that, again, kind of reinforced um, and set me on that trajectory uh, in my my career. Uh, But I must admit, I was not very good with the gesturing part of speaking. And that is definitely one thing I so remember about the Communispond class and how I was encouraged in that. So I joined Southwest Airlines in 1990, where I spent 20 25 years uh, of my career. Um, I started as the director of PR and I left as the senior vice president over culture and communications and had a fabulous team of 150 people at that point. So my communications areas have been, you know, started out more as a writer, you know, producing newsletters, speeches, that sort of thing. Um, Then primarily focused on media relations, um, working with newspapers, local televisions, ended up on 2020 and ABC Nightly News. So uh, the Communispond training definitely came in handy at that point. And then more involved uh, later on in my career in the strategic direction of communications and the blending of culture in communications. And I'm very strong advocate that a robust communications program can really change your culture. Um, uh, Too many organizations communicate like with policies. I believe that uh, policies inform people, uh, but storytelling and rich communication can inspire people. That is awesome. I love love the way that you position that there. Policies will inform, really storytelling and strong communication are, are going to inspire people and I believe move people to action and motivate people. Thank you for sharing that background. So it just seems like this topic of communication skills really is in your wheelhouse and we're really what you focused your career around. So I'm really excited to to hear your thoughts around this first question is 
you know, when you think of communications and we just talked about communications can really have a major impact on an organization, its people, its culture. And I know Southwest is just so well known for the strong culture there around employees and customers. So as you think around this topic of communication skills and what it means to be a great communicator, what comes to mind when you hear that, that somebody is a really strong communicator? I definitely uh, think of one person when I think of that early on, and that's Herb Kelleher, who was the founder of Southwest Airlines, and learned much about communications from Herb. He, uh, one of the, his greatest strengths was listening. And I really learned a lot about that from him. Um, he could recall people's names, uh, but one of the things he always did, he uh, had he remembered something about the conversation. He remembered something about their children, what they wanted to do in their in their job. But he was a master at listening and really connecting with people that way. Um, I, I also think a great communication skill to master is nonverbal. And uh, one of my one of the first trainings I ever did in communications, the instructor had us all look at our feet. Where were our feet pointed? And some of us, we were not even pointed toward the audience, right? So uh, that was one of my early lessons about nonverbal. Where are your feet pointing? So I practice this at every cocktail party. Uh, if I'm talking to someone, I make sure that I'm firmly focused on them. And it's amazing how much that really does drive uh, your focus and your centeredness uh, toward an individual or toward an audience. So always look at where your feet are pointed, nonverbal. Um, and obviously written communications. Um, but I run across a lot of people that written communications isn't their first love or uh, where they want to spend their time. So I encourage executives to partner with someone who loves that aspect, written communications. And of course, the larger you, uh, the organization is, the more resources they are going to apply to that and have um, specialists in different areas of communication. So I encourage executives uh, to partner with someone and um, the most successful executives benefit from someone uh, who understands their voice and can help them drive that communication. And then, of course, speaking. And that's my career focus now as a keynote speaker. And most professional speakers have a subject matter, a swim lane that they primarily speak in. And I speak on workplace culture and leadership. And that is that is where I tend to focus. Um, but to be able to speak on any topic, you need experience. And, um, but uh, so I have that. I've had the experience of a leadership in uh, the corporate world uh, for about 40 years. And then uh, since then, in the 100 plus organizations that I've worked with um, on their on aspects of culture. So um, speaking with credibility uh, can involve years of experience, but it also requires that we continually stay up to date on the topic of whatever we're speaking on. Excellent. So much great stuff there to unpack. And I read an article yesterday that ties into what you were talking about. It is that you're really, really effective and strong listeners listen with their ears and their eyes because so much of communication is that nonverbal that you touched on. You know, where are my feet pointed? What am I doing with my hands? 
gesturing, how is a person, just their eyes and their facial expressions are going to give you so much information so that when you are listening, you really need to tune in, whether you're face-to-face, on a video call like this, in meetings, really trying to hone in on what's going on with a person's body language. They're going to give you a lot of information there. And then the other thing that you touched on that I, I'm a really big advocate for is around writing. There's just so much, we get so much, especially now via email, where if you're not focused on your writing and really getting your point across and what you need that reader to do, it's going to become noise. People just get hundreds of emails every day. And some of them, you feel like you're reading a dissertation when you get it and you have no idea what they want you to do with it. So partnering with somebody that can help you to really get that core message and then what's the action item, what do you need to do, will definitely help take your communications to the next level. Agree, Scott. I love bulleted emails that are brief. Um, Like you said, people are so rushed right now. So the more simple and direct we can be, um, that's so important. Ginger, in the work that you're doing today, you know, working with organizations around their culture, what are some of the skills that you're seeing that the employees are either they're flourishing with, they're doing great job with that's helping to drive culture, or you know, maybe some areas of opportunity where companies really need to hone in on some of these skills to help drive a really powerful and engaged corporate culture? Well, we have so many more tools today than we ever had before. Uh, where So I'm a strong believer in using data to understand how employees are feeling. So we'll start with employees um, because um, we can't really drive change in our organizations unless we start first with our employees. Um, If we're expecting to influence our customers and we don't first start further up the food chain and start with our employees, we're not going to be able to change the delivery um, of our product. So how are we focusing on our employees, understanding what's important to them? So that I think is one of the most important things right now. There's collaboration tools, there's surveying tools. There's always the great face-to-face because we know um, (laughs) that employees really do um, treasure their time with their leaders. And I think leadership visibility is one of the most important things that companies can really use. And during the pandemic, we learned different ways for leadership visibility to show up. You could be showing up in video messaging, um, many other ways. So how are we really leaning into that, the data, what employees are saying, and how are we using our various tools to stay connected to them. Um, The other thing that I think is extremely important is inclusiveness in decision-making and how are we collaborating and gathering information from our employees about how we could influence our culture. Um, Because we all know that it's much harder to criticize a decision that you helped create. Uh, So how are we making sure that we're really hearing from um, our various audiences? I know at Southwest, we often had customer focus groups so we could understand what was important to them and uh, make changes that were important to them. And I think Southwest is doing that to this day. Uh, Bags Fly Free is a great example of that (laughs) for Southwest Airlines years ago when everybody else started charging for bags, but Southwest um, had the tenacity, the wisdom and the courage uh, to not change that policy. 
and it garnered them millions of employees. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry, of customers, millions of customers. And it seems like it really boils down to asking questions. You're not going to get that valuable data points around what people want, whether it's your employees or your customers, if you simply aren't asking the questions. I think that's where a lot of leaders do miss the mark is really asking to find out what is important. What's important as a motivator for the employees? What are those perks or features that are important to the customers that are going to drive that loyalty? Then I think once you have all that information, one of the key things is, and you hit on a little bit earlier, is this idea of storytelling. How do you take that data and bring it to life with stories so that you really can take action on it? Right, right. You know, one of the things we did a lot of storytelling on at Southwest Airlines uh, was around the employees and um, how that worked into our recognition programs. So I encourage organizations to think about uh, their recognition programs and use those as storytelling to model the behaviors that employees, uh, the limitless boundaries that employees can go to to serve the customer. You know, the story about um, finding a lost article in your retail outlet and how you returned that or um, how an, an employee may have saved a customer's life with a CPR training. So those are the kind of stories that show uh, the limitless boundaries our employees can go to. Absolutely. And thinking through the lens of communication when it comes to those things, it's critical to share those stories. You know, a lot of, I think a lot of organizations aren't necessarily doing that, taking the great things that people have done and showcasing them so that people can, in essence, you're modeling those skills, whether it's through a story or somebody's physically modeling the skill, they're saying these are the things that can make a difference and help take that company to the next level. You know, Scott, um, that's one of the things that uh, the former CEO, current chairman of Southwest Airlines did, Gary Kelly. Uh, when he became CEO in 2004, he started a weekly message to employees. And back then it was on a, uh, he would record it and you'd listen on your flip phone, right? <laughs> um, but think how that's progressed where it's video, so much more video now that executives are using. But my point is for that to your point, what he did in every one of those messages at the end, he did a shout out to the employees. He told a story about how someone found um, lost luggage or how someone helped a customer that um, was running late for a flight. It's all those examples that reinforce that behavior and uh, using that uh, as a reinforcement and recognition with employees. And, and having that buy-in from the top it just makes it that much more powerful, that much more meaningful for, for the employees to see you know, the CEO, head of the company, how they value that and the impact that it's making. Right. So Ginger, outside of the Communispawn training that you took at the beginning of your career, shameless plug there, uh, you know, what skills would you contribute or would you say have most contributed to your success and really helped you to get to where you are today? Well, I think the best stepping stone in my career uh, was as a media spokesperson. So at Southwest, I would respond to the newspapers, um, local media, what um, 
whoever was trying to find an answer, all any of the media that were trying to understand a, a move or something that happened within Southwest Airlines. So um, that really required being informed on such a broad area of the company. And then also it means developing trusting relationships inside the organization for the sources of my uh, of the information we needed. And then outside the organization as well with the news media, uh, they knew they could count on us uh, to, to uh, deliver to them and help them help them do their job. So those trusting relationships. So now in my speaking career, uh, two of the things that I rely on a lot or uh, would be the anticipation of differing viewpoints. So when I go into uh, an audience, a workplace, I know that they might be thinking that culture is fluffy. <laughs> you know, there's some of those people like, oh gosh, they're, they're going to make me have balloons in my office or, you know, <laughs> all those things that the wrong things that people conjure up that culture might be. So I talk about uh, return on culture and I give them examples of uh, what it means to have a strong culture, how culture can really drive your organization. So I, I, I encourage people, if you're trying to influence someone, think about their differing viewpoints before you try to influence them. And the other thing I really rely on is preparation and understanding the audience as much as possible before going into that. Now, I'm not always perfect on that. Sometimes mm -hmm. that's really hard, especially if you're at a large convention, for example, and it's the it's a food manufacturing convention that I might be speaking to. There's so many differing people at differing levels, so it's it's harder to understand your audience. Um, but I always remember a story that my dad would tell um, about he served in World War II, and uh, he was at a base in Yuma, Arizona, and a com very famous comedian came and uh, addressed the audience. And he really did understand his audience. And he started out, they started out by saying, well, it's great to be in Yuma, Arizona, an oven with a landing strip. <laughs> so my dad would tell that story over and over again. And I always remembered that as a great example of understanding and relating, relating back to your uh, audience. And I always think it's great if you can, um, especially in a public speaking environment, uh, to start off with some humor, uh, because that really does um, help you relate to the audience and relaxes them. And hopefully they know they're in for an informative time. Oh, I love that. What a great story. You hit on two powerful things there. This idea of anticipating the audience's viewpoints or their positions on things, kind of preparing for what might I be walking into? What might be some of the barriers that are going to be up or maybe misconceptions about what I'm going to share with them, whether it's around culture or you're going into a sales meeting, whatever it may be, just kind of understanding what are some of the things that you might run into. And then really that preparation, you know, knowing who am I going to be meeting with? What might be some of their things that they're looking to get out of this? Just doing as much digging as you can and trying to tailor your message as best can, right? If you're speaking to thousands of people, it's a little bit more difficult, but you'll probably still get a baseline understanding of what's the average audience member like, what are they representing, their industry, pain points in the industry. If you do those two things, you're going to be head and shoulders above most folks when it comes to delivering a speech. 
And I think the third thing that that really does help folks is realizing more often than not, people are there because they want to be there and they are really honestly cheering for you. Very rarely are you going into a presentation or a speech where people are rooting for you or rooting against you or wanting you to fail. I think that can help bring those nerves down. So if you try to anticipate what you might run into, really prepare. You mentioned earlier, kind of you're in your swim lane, you're in your area of expertise, and just knowing that most people want you to succeed puts you way up here when it comes to delivering a speech or a presentation. Great addition. Thank you, Scott. Agree. As you think throughout your career, you've, you've touched on a couple of people already, but you know, who has been somebody that has really influenced your communication style? You know, what have you kind of taken from them, maybe tweaked a little bit and just made your own? Well, I have two examples. Uh, one starts with um, an advocate about communication, and that was my mother. Uh, obviously, my parents, but my mom was really an advocate. So I encourage parents to, to help their children be even better communicators. Um, my first uh, communications activity was in the second grade. I was in University Interscholastic League, and Interestingly enough, the category was storytelling. So um, as a seven-year-old, we were read a story, and we had to then go tell it in front of an audience of adults and judges. So um, I came in second place that time. <laughs> and the other, my mom also helped me in 4-H. Um, so there are organizations that your kids can be in that can help them too, in lots of different ways, developing mm -hmm. all kinds of different skills. Uh, but I really did lean in a lot, even early on into communication. So my first presentation was on how to write a check. <laughs> Something, a skill we don't nice. need much <laughs> anymore, but it was a presentation uh, with uh, with poster board and a pointer on how to properly write out a check and how to balance your checkbook. So I credit my mom for being a strong advocate. Love and the it. other one, uh, growing up, I was uh, crazy about the comedian Carol Burnett. Mm -hmm. And I religiously watched uh, her show every week. Um, and I wanted to be as funny as she was. Obviously, I never made it. But um, <laughs> I loved uh, Carol Burnett. And so I, as I look back, I think about how she used her voice, uh, how she used facial expressions, how she used physical humor, so many things that uh, carry carry on. Uh, but she was an expert um, at, um, at humor. Great examples. And as a parent, I do a lot, especially in my line of work. I think my kids are sick of hearing about it, but you know, whenever they have some sort of presentation coming up in class, they're always getting a little coaching points and tidbits. And I want to definitely know, get that feedback, how it went and just finding opportunities, whether it's in school or out of school for, for young people to practice their communication skills, whether it's simply phone skills at a restaurant, you know, them placing their orders rather than, you know, me and mom telling the, the waiter or waitress what they want, giving them those reps because communication really does come, come down to getting reps in, learning the skills having people model the behaviors, but ultimately the training wheels need to come off and people have to practice those skills. So I think definitely giving kids, young folks, opportunities to practice is so important. And I, I love that you brought up a comedian. There's just so much to be learned around communication from comedians. 
especially around the the tone, inflection, pacing, the facial gestures. A slight facial gesture or a movement of the hands can go from a, a joke being okay to a joke killing. And same thing with, with your presentations. If your tone, gestures, pace, whatever it may be, is a complete mismatch from your content, it's not going to work. So I'm a big believer in learn from everyone. You can pick little tidbits up of what to do, what not to do from so many different areas of life. And especially with communication skills, they really, they transcend work life and personal life. You can use them back and forth. So I absolutely love that. Thank you for sharing. As we wrap up here, Ginger, just what closing piece of advice would you have for somebody around really the importance of communication skills and how they can impact their career? Whether this is maybe somebody coming fresh out of school, whether they're coming out of high school and starting a business, going out of college into their first job, or maybe mid-career, they're just ready for a change, going to make a pivot. You know, what, what advice would you give to them? Well, I definitely look for opportunities for professional training and you don't always have to pay for it. Um, you might be, your organization might provide it um, as part of, part of your training. Look at that from the learning aspect of your organization. See if that's offered. Uh, join a professional association. A lot of times professional associations offer con uh, continuous learning, uh, but also community colleges. Um, you, you can pick up some great training, um, in those types of venues. Um, and I still hire a communications coach after all these years, I'm, uh, working with one now on a new presentation. And it's what you were talking about earlier, literally work, uh, once I have the presentation done, I look at when I'm going to gesture where I'm going to stand on the stage. Um, and, and we work on things like if I'm telling a story, uh, how, I, how I might put physical humor into that. If I'm talking about going mm -hmm. down a jet bridge, you know, what does that look like? And putting those physical gestures into, into the talk at the same time. So um, I think that's something we're always working on. And I, I haven't been doing this long enough that I don't just rely on myself. I always get some outside assistance to make sure that um, I'm I'm on target. Look for outside assistance. I think that's a great way to put it because, as you mentioned, there are so many resources out there, whether it's from company-sponsored training, taking a course at the local community college, finding a self-paced course online or video to watch, working one-on-one -on -one with a coach, or simply observing people. You're going to find ways where you can improve. That is great advice. Ginger, thank you so much for joining me today. Really did enjoy the conversation. I really appreciate you sharing your expertise with us. Well, Scott, thank you. And and here's to everyone who has some point they want to advocate and um, best of luck in doing that. And thank you to for sponsoring this. Absolutely. Have a great day. Thank you. A special thanks again to my guest, Ginger Hardage, for sharing her valuable insights around how to build an unstoppable culture. Building a great culture takes great communication, listening, asking questions, and leveraging all of the tools at your disposal to share your story. As always, if you haven't done so, please be sure to subscribe to Communicast so that you can be notified of new episodes. Thanks and have a great day.